0: Love Talk Radio. Welcome to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. I'm Robert Rogers. Parkinson's Recovery is dedicated to providing information, resources, and support to anyone who currently is experiencing the symptoms of Parkinson's, as well as their friends and family members. My guest today is internationally famous Wit Desner, who is an author, a humorist, a rancher, and the founder of the Salt Lick Contest to be held in Baker City, Oregon, on september twenty fourth by way of introduction uh to witt, I'd like to invite you as you're listening to his show, to also know that there is a several links that I have placed on the Parkinson's Recovery blog that you can connect to to see a video of the Salt Lick auction from last year. There's also a link to WIT's webpage where you can actually see images of the Salt Licks that have won the contest last year. So it's coming up just in a month. You have your opportunity to enter your own Salt Lick to see if you can win the $1,000 prize. So, uh, to get to the Parkinson's Recovery blog, for those of you that don't know, you want to go to the main Parkinson's Recovery page. That's easy to get. It's www.parkinson'srecovery. Those two words join together. Dot com, and you'll see a link to the blog on the main page. Click on that link. It'll take you to the blog, and you'll see the very first entry today, and today is August the 17th, 2011. You'll see the links there to the video of the auction in Oregon City, uh, on Baker City, Oregon, from last year, as well as a link to Wit Desner's website. Claim your Parkinson's Recovery Summer Edition to the newsletter as well when you're on the Parkinson's Recovery website. So on the main website, on the main page, you'll see up at the top there's a link that says Resources. Click on that, and once you get to the Resources page, you'll see there's a link through an image to the magazine page. Click on that and you'll be able to download what is an amazing set of articles by individuals who have incredible suggestions and insights about what it is to experience the symptoms of Parkinson's currently. So now let's go to the first of two segments with Witt Dechener. Witt will first talk about in the first segment his experience with uh, developing the Salt Lake Contest and himself as well. And in the second segment, he's going to actually read some segments from his forthcoming book this fall. Okay. My guest today is Wick Desner, who is a rancher, a internationally known author, and the founder of the Saw Lick Contest in Baker City, Oregon. Wick, thanks you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you. That's a generous introduction. I don't D- know if
0: I deserve all of it. You deserve <laughs> it <something. laughs> and, and more. I didn't want to take up your you number know here. <laughs> so what tell us about yourself.
1: I was diagnosed with Parkinson's about ten years ago and I just kept thinking it was the end of the world and it it wasn't the end of the world. It just kinda changed my um changed my outlook. And I I decided I'd written several books at that point, and I decided I was going to write about Parkinson's. And I just want to read you a little bit from my introduction, um, how it's kind of changed my life. Maybe maybe this will help introduce the everything here. For me, humor has always been both my defense and my def- defiance mechanism. When I was diagnosed with Parkinson's, I had to readjust my bar. Lower or higher, perhaps sideways, I'm not sure which, but it gave me a new perspective to write and to live from. Take this incident in Bhutan. Had I not had Parkinson's, I would have still been on a normal hike to a hot springs and back. I would also have gotten lost because I took a shortcut. And it was a shortcut too, but not the one I had. I needed. This one came out just 300 feet from where I was going. Unfortunately, those were 300 vertical feet, and since I wanted to arrive in a alive condition, I turned back. It began to rain. I ducked under the eaves of a local yak shed to dig out my raincoat from my pack. I was hoping to go unnoticed, but that was wishful thinking. A small boy found me, ran off to announce his find, and before I could leave I was surrounded by every family within five zip, zip codes. Had, had, had I been normal, nothing would have happened because nothing, happened. nothing happens to normal people. But my left arm began to shake, something my new audience quickly noticed. Of course, there was no common word between us except for okay and Coca-Cola, but it was easy enough to understand what was being said. Look at the westerner. He is shivering. He must be cold. But it is hot out. I know, but they are different. Only half of him is cold. He is only shaking on one side. Yes, but his, but his west side, that's why he's called a westerner. Much laughter. Eugen, go tell your mother to make him some tea. Five minutes later, Eugen's mother's tea was all gone, and I was still shaking. Look, he's still shaking. Eugen, fetch more tea. Again, same thing. Eugen, the westerner needs more warming. Go fetch some firewood. They built a small fire and motioned me to sit next to it. Growing warm, I began taking my raincoat off. They shook their heads and told me to stop. Stupid westerner, we built him a fire to warm him, and although he is shivering, he starts to take his clothes off. Eugen, fetch more wood. We'll get him warm yet. They built the fire up, and had they pushed me any closer, I would have spontaneously combusted. I didn't wish to be rude to my host, but an hour and a half had passed, and I needed to first find my trail so I could get off of it before before dark. I left, but not before they commented. Strange lot, those Westerners. Don't even know when it's hot or cold out. Eventually, I found my way out, and as I trotted off down the trail, I thought, What a lucky guy I am. I have something funny to write about. Anyway, that's that's the introduction to my book, and I hope that um, ex-
0: explains everything. <laughs> <laughs> it does, indeed. <laughs> now, uh, you are a rancher and uh, live outside of Baker City, Oregon, and are the founder of the Salt Lick Contest. A lot of people don't know what a salt lick is. Could you explain what that is? It's um, the,
1: we live in a salt-efficient world up here in the Northwest, selenium especially, and uh, all the animals need need salt. And It comes in 50-pound blocks, and the ranchers sprinkle, put, put the blocks out wherever their cattle are ranged, or horses. Uh, the deer, of course, like them, elk like them. And they lick them in just in some fantastic shapes, and I just started looking at them and thought, well, my gosh, those are... I mean, that that's just as good as some of the art you see in front of the oh, the federal buildings downtown Seattle or where, where, wherever, or just any of the buildings that some people get commissioned thousands of dollars to get their sculptures done. And these are just done for free. And so I started collecting them, having the ranchers bring them into the local feed store. And the feed store replaces the, the blocks. These are 50-pound salt blocks. So the, the ranchers bring in their most artistic blocks, and the feed store gives them a the block back, replaces it. And then these blocks we auction off at an auction, um, and it, it all goes to OSHU, the uh, Parkinson's Center of Oregon, the proceeds. And last year we earned over $8,000. The highest block went for $550. It, it's sort of a dis- the disposable art but um they well so is the Mona Lisa if the move ever caught on fire, so um that's 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 the gist of it. It was a crazy idea and it took off. It's it's generated about twenty thousand dollars in the last four years. This will be the fifth year we're having it and it gets bigger every year. OPB um Oregon Public Broadcasting did a little piece on it last year. But regained in popularity, I, I never thought it would fly. So
0: I just don't know how to get it back down on the ground now. <laughs> it's up and flying, and who knows? Are you going to be franchising salt lick contests uh, to other countries and other states now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but I, I have started bronzing them, and I'm I'm hoping for to get a show at the uh, National Cowboy Poetry or National Cowboy uh, uh, the National Cowboy Museum. Oh, that's great! I did. I did. I said poetry there. I did a show at the National Cowboy Poetry Festival about the South Block. So,
0: well, we we, uh, we had you on the show, you know, a year ago, and at that time, I asked you uh, since I don't have a cattle ranch and my yard is relatively small compared to a ranch. Yeah, if I might be able to get a salt lick and lick it myself for the year and submit my entry, but as I understand it, the rule last year was that that would be prohibited, that it had to actually uh, uh, be so licked we, by a cow. Is that correct still?
1: Yeah, yeah, we wanted to keep people from locking their children in a closet for three days with a salt <laughs> lick
0: so anybody out there? Now, now you, you don't have to live in Oregon in order to be able to submit your entry. Is that correct? You can be in Colorado or Wyoming or other states.
1: No, absolutely. We've had entries from Germany and from um, Wales. They were they were pictures. However, they customs wouldn't let the salt blocks in. Oh no. Um, we had we had one from the commissioner of Las Vegas uh, County of Las Vegas. And I, I really don't know what he was thinking. They were they were pretty filthy, unshapely salt blocks, but we we appreciate the 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 thought anyway. And they, they actually sold three times so they, they generated about two hundred and twenty dollars.
0: Wow, that's pretty amazing. Now, there's a video that was taken of the actual auction last year, and so if you'd like to be able to see the fun uh, and the gala of that event, be sure to go to the Parkinson's Recovery blog, and you'll see a link to that video to the Oregon Public uh, Broadcasting Station. So what about the auction this year? When is that going to be?
1: It'll be September 24th, and we're going to have it outside this year. Um, it's it's, it, it's funny how it all came together. My neighbor is an auctioneer. He's, he never went to auctioneer school, but he when he was young he used to auction off practice with rocks to his aunt. So now he always says he's gone from rocks to blocks. But he's uh, he he, really, he knows a lot of the people, and he gets the you know, wives bidding against husbands, and and uh, if it wasn't for him, the thing wouldn't work at all. I don't think it might work, but not not the magic that he
0: has instilled into it. Is he not then a professional auctioneer? Because he sure sounds like one. He he, he does. Um, he does he does
1: pretty much the charities, the 4-H auction um, in town. He's never really done them professionally, and. and and he should. He's, he's just—he's just magic at it. Oh, he is!
0: I must say, it's—it's uh, it's quite an event. And in the video, everyone was having so much fun. That was—that was, was so magic, also.
1: That's the thing. I mean, you know, if, it, if it wasn't fun, I'd quit tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, but it's—and I—it's it, funny just people's perspective on it. Uh, the first year I had it, I remember this old couple came in, and I was setting up the show, and they were going around looking at these. Sculptures, and finally the man said to his wife, he said, Mildred, he said, Mildred, these are salt licks, and it was he had looked at them for about ten minutes before he realized what they were, and I, I wasn't sure what what to think, whether I, this was successful or not, having people look at them in <laughs> such lights. <So, laughs>
0: Well, at least they realized they were salt lakes <laughs> yeah, initially. Well, I had one
1: person come in said they picked up, they'd just moved out west, and they'd been out hiking and picked up this rock and put it in their garden, and everything around it started dying. They couldn't figure it out well they'd picked up a salt lake and put it in their garden, and of course it killed everything. Salt, oh. of course, is highly toxic. This year we're having, they had little boxes built, sort of like pet rocks, um, so people can take their salt lakes home in a in a cage if they want.
0: Oh, great. That they that they bought at the auction. Yes. <laughs> if a rancher then, either in Oregon or in another state, wants to uh, uh put a submission in, how how do where do they send it? Who do they contact? It'd be
1: Crossroads Art Center. Um just I think if you put Crossroads Art Center Baker, Oregon, Baker City, Oregon it would get here. Um it's pretty well known in town. And you don't have to be a rancher, of course. You could be anybody you want. Um, but don't, please don't take them off somebody's ranch. If you do, replace their block or tell them what you're doing. I just don't want to be responsible for gunshot wounds. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Now, you do give prizes for the winning uh, uh, entry, do you not?
1: Yeah, all the, um, it, it's just great. All the merchants here get really got behind the thing. And they donate seventy-five dollars each, and so we have quite a pot going. And we've had different categories. Um, We've had a block, the the block that looks closest to Michael J. Fox. Um, We had Janet Reno one year. Janet Reno actually wrote back and said she'd like a picture of the salt block that won. I sent her the salt block, in fact, and I never heard back from her.
0: Uh, (laughs) She probably has it on uh, her mantle.
1: We have um, most likely to be barbecued. Is this really art? Then we have the people's choice, just the audience's choice. And then we have a judging committee, just you know, people from the ranches and the stores. Um, who, one, two, three. But we try to spread out the money. You know, it's no, it's like two hundred dollars for first prize, one hundred fifty for second, hundred for third, and then we have fourth, fifth, sixth sort of thing. Any money that's left. The local brewery—they really, give us beer. We have a restaurant that serves wine. Um, the rehab center—they they serve food. So it's it's really just a fantastic community effort. We even have the FFA kids, Future Farmers of America. Um, they they come in. They they serve well. They serve non-alcoholic drinks while the auction's going on. And we bring in a cow in case we have a we've had a tie twice now so we have a cow come in and, and pick the is the tie breaker so that's that's always fun
0: then we have the live music. it gets a little bigger and bigger and wilder every year it really does okay so one of the judges is a cow that actually determines which one is going to be the winning entry correct <laughs> well who gets to choose what cow is going to choose
1: well, that's a, I'll bring that up. We have a committee now, so I'll have to bring that up. That's a, that's a good question.
0: You might have some favoritism there, depending on. That's
1: right. You know, they can people can bribe, bring their salt licks in late, and that that is. We, it's funny. People started writing po- poems with the, their salt licks, so we have a poetry category now. Um, so they get up and read their poem. Somebody wrote a poem about an unlicked salt lick. Uh, it was untouched, it was brand new, and it sold for
0: $220. <laughs> it didn't even, it, no, no cow had even touched it then? Correct. Now that's clever, <laughs> you have to admit. <laughs> it, it doesn't
1: have to be a cow either. It, it can be, of course, uh, sheep or goats.
0: Or a raccoon, it yeah. doesn't really matter. just can't be a human, is that the rule?
1: that's correct
0: well what are the other rules of the salt lick contest other than it can't be a human who licks the salt lick
1: without a lot of return people take them and put them out in the yard and return them the next year they'll they'll sell three or four times we've seen one salt lick now four times at Porox. so we're we're stopping that practice Um, generally the, the rules are there are no rules it's it's
0: It's art, <laughs> but you can't recycle it once it's won, that's it, right? That's right. <laughs> once it's been entered, you gotta do it again <laughs> and then
1: the and then the, like i say i'm I'm having some of them bronzed um and I've sold them for cost so far, which is like twelve hundred dollars, so people have these twelve hundred dollar salt licks on their mantles now. Which I guess make for nice conversation pieces. Um well we've been talking about it here for a half an hour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you can see some examples of these uh Salt Lick uh uh entries on which uh website. Would you like to tell people what that is?
1: It's Salt it's the you can type in the Great Salt Lake or Salt Lake City or just witt Dashner I think that'll get you there. I, I haven't been there for a while myself, so but, um, I'll be listing the, the the Salt Lakes this year if they come in, and we're going to try to get um, on online uh, auction going. So during the auction, we'll have phone calls coming in. Uh, we did that the first year, the, the prices were so uh, astronomical that everybody on the phone uh, dropped out.
0: Oh, interesting. This is getting bigger and bigger every year, isn't
1: it? It's, it's, it's worrisome because, you, you know, I'd I, I like something just steady. Um, I don't want to turn into a big Woodstock or brew festival or something like that.
0: Right. Well, it's
1: just a down home. Uh, put this way, there's 15,000 people in the county, and, you know, to earn that much money, $8,000 in adoption. auction, It's a a real heroic effort, I think, of a small community.
0: And showing how everybody can come together for a very important cause. Whit Desner will read from his new and forthcoming book in just a minute after this brief station break. I'm Robert Rogers. You're connected now to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. My guest today is Whit Desner. On the cover of my book, Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease, you will see a dazzling image by Alan Babbitt, who is a professional photographer and also happens to currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's. Alan has made his tremor an asset in his photography, which is quite amazing. He's got a whole series of images that are are really amazing so uh, I contacted Alan at the point of, of uh, developing the book into a paperback book, and I purchased his uh, photograph that you'll see on the cover, for those of you uh, that have actually seen the cover of the book. It's interesting that Whit Desner has also capitalized on his tremor. He discovered that when he takes photographs he tends to take repetitive uh... photographs in other words he keeps uh... clipping the trigger and he has turned that into an incredible asset as well what happens is you actually see images for example of a horse moving as if it's a movie theater a movie almost rather than still pictures but they're actually just a series of slides to see what's uh... engaging video, which lasts only about nine minutes, you can go to YouTube, and in the search window, type in the following search words, triggers and tribbles, and I'm going to spell that for you so you can be sure and get the correct video, T-R-I-G-G-E-R-S, the word triggers, and the word tribbles, T-R-I-B-B-L-E-S. I just did that, and it's a video by Western Folk Life, and it features wit and the story behind why in the world he has so many horses on his land right outside Baker City, Oregon. It's an engaging video, and particularly at the end of the video, what you're going to see is a number of those images repetitive images of for example horses moving it's really an engaging uh, video it's it's wonderful and fun to watch it's a delightful story and so I invite you all also to go to YouTube and to see Witt Desner's uh, video of his experience of why in the world he wound up with so many horses on his land He actually is a horse rancher rather than a cattle rancher, although he is the founder of the Salt Lick Contest. Now, internationally known and origin from Baker City, Oregon. So, let's now return to the second segment of our show with Witt, where he will be reading some segments from his forthcoming book. My guest today is Whit Dessner, and wit you have a, a book that's forthcoming this fall. What is the title of the book? It's called Departures: No Swearing
1: and I came up with the title my um my dad passed away a couple of years ago, and I was going through his slides and it was a picture taken at a train station in New Zealand and I thought, well, that kind of sums up um getting parkinson's and you just have to. Grin and bear it. No swearing. It, it it departs from normal living and and what's ironic, I put together this book. It's a um I d I, I don't really like Kindle. I like a tangible book. And so here I'm went to print off what I was going to read today and my I ran out of ink, so I'm reading this from a computer, which is of course just like a Kindle. <laughs>
0: right.
1: I haven't got very far in life here.
0: Well, you are going to read then some segments from your forthcoming book. Correct. And this one's called I I don't know,
1: these just kinda of start I take notes and then they all start to fit together or perhaps they don't fit together. Um anyway I'll read it and let you know let me know what you think. This is called the most dangerous catch. I was pushing the age when I was supposed to grow a beer belly and stoic opinions but the territory greeted me instead with nose hairs and Parkinson's. Ten years later, I had become, unwillingly, a double jeopardy whiz on the subject. Parkinson, that is. Nose hairs I know nothing about. I didn't volunteer to be an expert. The disease volunteered me. I couldn't hide it. My storage pile of facts began from people asking me things like, You're shaking. Are you cold? Nope. Nervous? Nope. No one ever continued. They suddenly knew it was a place they shouldn't have trod. I always enjoyed the next bit. Parkinson's. This has always produced a string of apologies. Then soon their inquisitiveness kicks in and suddenly I'm fielding PD-related questions like, Say, hey, what, what's the J stand for in Michael J. Fox's name anyway? Geronimo. But what was Muhammad Ali's name before he changed it? Who else Sometimes people even ask me frivolous things like, Does Parkinson's lead to dementia? Of course not. I wrote this, didn't I? Or just what is Parkinson's? How do we get it? Parkinson's is a chronic neurodegenerative disorder, which is confusing because that sums up life in general. So how do we get it? Experts insist we possess a genetic disposition towards Parkinson's catalyzed by an environmental toxin. This is, of course, just a polite way of saying we get it from toilet seats. I know this because I know the exact seat I got mine from. In an Alaska fish camp where I used to commercial fish out of, I was trying to stabilize the world, hugging the above-mentioned seat while jettisoning six tequila sunrises consumed in an undiscerning manner. I was young, and the experience was good for me because I know how bad I felt afterwards, and it prepared me for the future. I admit I I was pretty down being diagnosed with Parkinson's, but not half as bad as I felt after throwing up six sunrises. By comparison, though, despite the false notion of impending dementia, Parkinson's is still not a fun disease to have. Fortunately, people are concerned. They look at me with uncut sympathy and ask, Have you seen the deadliest catch? Being a commercial fisherman, the onset of Parkinson's was certainly not welcome. Not that having another occupation, the onset would have been any better breeded. Other fishermen assured me that it was okay because I could still shake fish out of the net and that all old fishermen become demented anyway. However, another Parkinson's trademark is an increasing loss of balance. I'd already gone overboard once without any disease's help, and once is enough, so I quit being a fisherman. The diagnosis was totally life-changing. The consequences were paramount. I could no longer play pickup sticks with the local kids. I pondered over new jobs. Becoming a neurosurgeon was out. Bomb diffusion? Not an option. I felt no difference in the armless Milo Davinus applying for a trapeze artist position. But hey, I could shake a paint or agitate DNA vials, or shake martinis, or I could shake packets of non-dairy creamers so they could be opened safely and not spilled over everything. I could sand wood. I could scramble eggs. I could train my trimmer to knit. I could ring a bell at Christmas time for donations. I could become a Morse code operator, although I knew I'd just repeat myself. There were also skills that I maintained, well, kind of. I could type an amazing 70 words per minute, so long as they were the words A or I. My handwriting was almost as fast as my typing, but it started to shrink, another of PD's PD's many outstanding features. People could no longer read what I wrote, including myself, but I never could anyway. I could fill in for a doctor filling out illegible prescriptions. In time, I reverted to a computer word recognition program, Dragon Naturally Speaking. All their support and their word recognition experts don't recognize nor speak recognizable English, but so far nothing I've done trains it. Where the heck is St. George when he's needed? Instead, it helps me invent new languages that even a house-sized Rosetta boulder can't translate. I'm not dead in the water yet because between these skills I can still write articles where the word could appear 15 times in one paragraph. Unfortunately, Parkinson's does not lead to dementia. Unfortunately, Parkinson's is not something you take a couple of pills for and wake up in the morning feeling better. You take a couple of pills, you still wake up in the morning, but you still have to take a couple more pills and then a couple more and a couple more and so on. Parkinson's does not kill you. Eventually, you choke to death on all the pills you have to swallow or try to. Fortunately, science and technology promise to save me. There are especially complicated brain operations because they involve especially complicated parts with especially complicated names. I'm not even going to try to pronounce these for the thalamus. Thalilatomies for the palladium. lobotomies for all members of Congress and deep brain stimulation that can make you look even normal even if you're not. The deep brain stimulation holds the most promise. It's an implanted high-frequency electrode that turns off targeted neutrons in the sub- somatic nucleus and is run by an electric sensor planted under your skin just below your funny bone. It's not yet as sophisticated as what Arnold Schwarzenegger had in Terminator that told him exactly what to say, but far more refined than what the speechwriters told Governor Schwar- Schwarzenegger to say. Unfortunately, brain-intrusive operations are relatively new, Look at it this way: the year is 1492. Your brain is America, and your neurosurgeon's name is Columbus. You could end up like a pissed log, which is what, which is Rush Limbaugh. Which in Rush Limbaugh's case would be an improvement, an epiphany, if you will. But I don't want to an implant until they can put an iPod in my noggin. There's also locked open stem cell research, but the key is unavailable until the religious nutcakes come down with Parkinson's themselves.
0: Otherwise, all those
1: innocent. Parted-out babies, parted babies will sit on the shelf and go to waste. There is alternative research stealing stem cells from pigs, yet this would be the ultimate dilemma for a Jew or a Muslim having pork cells embedded in their brains. At least it has something else to think about other than new nefarious ways to annihilate each other. Personally, I worry about eating a BLT with a clear conscience while suppressing a compulsive desire to watch deliverance repeatedly and squeal. So what does Parkinson's really like to have? It's a nagging disease. Like having your mother in law as your guardian angel. It's like going through your second puberty. Your voice changes and you become a awkward. Freezing takes freezing takes up a new meaning as does shaking hands. The shaking hands is just annoying. The freezing is Freezing in place is frustrating. It does make me wonder what sort of ultimate and omnipotent creator would create a disease that makes a hand vibrate and then not give them some place to place a shaking hand in a socially acceptable, acceptable manner. I can't put my shaking hand in my pocket, nor can I rest my hand in my lap. I sure can't rest it in the person's lap sitting next to me, say on a plane or a bus or a park bench. And when I go to a theater, I know exactly what people are thinking. It's Pee Wee Herman. As for the freezing, it is exactly that. The body freezes except for the shaking. You want to move, you try to move, you think you're going to move and then nothing happens. The period standing there doing nothing but shake. The period standing there doing nothing but shake waiting for a spring thaw would be a great time to listen to an iPod implant. Another trait about Parkinson's mine anyway is that I can't lie. By my hand tremor increases. Why more? And I began to jackhammer. I understand Pinocchio. So you answer the odd question honestly, no, I have not seen the deadliest catch. I must watch it because I used to fish with one of the show's skippers, Eric. In the summer, Eric fished salmon out of the same fish camp I did. Early one season, a wholesale screwball showed up in camp informing everyone he'd been sent as the manager. He introduced himself as Bert, but from then on he was known as Ernie. He never got the joke. He'd been given a combination just to the safe to get the check so the camp crew could get paid. The way someone would steal the code, he tore it into tiny pieces, ate it, and immediately forgot the numbers. The combination was sent via shortwave radio for all Alaska to hear. Ernie got the job simply, simply because he was Eric's neighbor. No one checked his references like to say, see if he was demented. For some reason, Ernie lasted far longer than I thought he ever would. He left exactly until the night he broke out all the windows in the galleries. Although Ernie was a card carrying wacko, he was also a ladies' man for the entire two of them in camp. Well, they were women anyway, fairly. The camp owner had finagled some deal with the Kodiak jail. I gave him a wide berth, but not Ernie. Ernie was jovial. One thing I noticed about Ernie is that one of his hands trembled. I only mentioned the women because it bugged up I overheard one of them ask, Hey Ernie, you called? You're shaking. No, he answered, nervous. Nope, he said, looked down at his hand. It just started doing that. Which explained one thing, especially when we discovered he drank up all the camp's supply of vanilla before breaking out the windows in the gallery. Ernie had the DTs and was trying to dry out. The next morning he was found draped over a toilet seat. But today I'm not so sure Ernie did have the DTs. With what I know now, I think Ernie was in his early onset Parkinson's stage because it was that camp where I had the same toilet seat. Ejecting six sunrises from where I am almost positive, I caught my deadliest patch, Parkinson's.
0: And now uh, we all know what really is the source of the symptoms of Parkinson's disease, thanks to your research, With My guest today is yeah. Witt Deschner, who I has, is reading from experts, from, from his forthcoming book. And uh, we're also are going to be able to include uh, some excerpts uh, in the fall uh, Parkinson's Recovery magazine, so be looking forward to reading more of what's incredible humor and perspective. So you've got something else you're going to read, too. I I, <laughs> I don't know if I could...
1: I, I, I'm a horrible reader, so I hopefully... Hopefully you can read them in the magazine that make more sense to you. Oh, that well the reading
0: for me was wonderful. Of course I had a chance to read it before, but uh no, it's it's absolutely wonderful.
1: I'll try one more and um this one, this one I was curious one day of all the people who had Parkinson's. Um anyway I'll, this is Three pages long. Hopefully, does let me get a glass of water here, and I'll dig into it. This is called "We Choose Our Friends, But Not Our Diseases." It's Nazi tongue. Adolf Hitler, General General b c o Francisco Franco, Terry Thomas, Yasser Arafat, Margaret Burke White, Salvador Dali, Pope John Paul II, Tim Chappin, George Wallace. Vincent Price, Pierre Trudeau, Moses Udall, James Doohan, Charles Schultz, Johnny Cash were all at his dinner party. What would they have in common? They'd all be dead. Okay, but besides dead, the next new mutual trait is you would would never serve dinner to this lot on your best linen, especially red wine, because they all had Parkinson's. After exhausting the subject of death and Parkinson's angles, the latitude of topics between guests probably would shrink. Perhaps you'd hear Salvador Dali and the General General Nicio delve into the merits of Picasso's Guernica. That's his uh, famous painting of the, the Spanish-American War. I don't know how to pronounce it. Sorry. Mao Zedong and Hitler discuss exciting new developments of genocide and end up arm wrestling. Pope John Paul II and Din Xiaoping argue over who has more control over more people. The Pope rants about stem cells and Jin Xiaoping has never heard of a wants to know how many dissidents he can contain in one. Terry Thomas and Vincent Price confer about each other's teeth configurations and vampires. George Wallace, Pierre Trudeau, the Osteacer Arafat deliberator over the pros and cons of divided states. Mo Udall and James Duhan argue about the environmental concerns of mining the lithium crystals. Charles Schultz alone doodled. Doodles on napkins and draws a shaky picture of Snoopy trying to sleep on his doghouse in what appears to be an earthquake. Margaret Brickwhite photographs this historic occasion only to discover she has forgot to put film in her camera. While Johnny Cash is having no problem strumming his guitar but is missing the fingerings and sings about Boys Named Sue and Rings of Fire, a song about his hemorrhoids. Actually, I was sorry I looked up such trivia, but having caught the disease myself, I find myself doing such off-the-wall research. I wanted to check up on the company I was keeping and whether the disease made these people famous. I wasn't about to miss an aspect of an affliction that might propel me into imminence. But I was hoping for more inspirational people. Why couldn't people like Gandhi, Jesse Owens, Earl Garner, or Walt Kelly be on the list? Why did Hitler and Mao Zedong have to be there? The only listed person I appreciated is James Doohan. Well, Scotty, really. How many times did Scotty nurse his dilithium pistols to perform the above callings for the Enterprise to save the universe? This was far more than Mao Zedong or Hitler ever did for anyone. Franco was no shining rose either. All the PD lists needed were Jill Stalin, Paul Potter, Edie and Tamerlane and my eighth grade math teacher, Don Smith. Still I, still I asked, did Parkinson's help mold these people? Fortunately, the answer is no, unless further research proves that Hitler's famed salute was actually dyskinesia. Nor do I doubt the Pope had any problem sprinkling holy water with his shaking hands. I suppose when I was diagnosed with PD over 10 years ago, I should have been happy. I should still be happy. At least I didn't have something horrible like congenital warts, herpes, or heartbreak of psoriasis. Still, I wish Hitler and Tongue would go to trouble some other diseases manifest. It just goes to show that you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your diseases. Of course, before Parkinson's was formally identified, all sorts of inspirational people might have had the disease, sort of like that Buddhist conundrum about a tree falling in the forest, and if no one is there to hear it, does it make a sound? If the disease wasn't identified yet, did people really have it? The answer to both these questions is, who cares? History contains plenty of references to Parkinson's symptoms. Homer alludes to it, referring to a king who can no longer compete in athletic contests because his limbs are no longer steady, nor his feet, and neither do my arms as they once did swing light from my shoulders. The Bible gives several mentions of permanently bent men. It's a little surprise Shakespeare, who wrote everything there was to write, covers it also in King Henry the, the Sixth when Dick asked Lord Say, Why dost thou quiver, man? Lord Say replies, "It is the palsy, not the fear, provokes the Other historical references include, and on, and time. Anyway, let let's skip over this part. There's, there's too many words that are um, I can't pronounce. We'll get to the bottom of the list here. My apologies, Robert. I just um, it takes a little time to scroll down, doesn't it? It does. Anyway, um, we'll, we'll come up to 1827 when James Parkinson. Sir James Parkinson writes his famous essay on shaking palsy and clinically of almost every symptom of the disease. He did not name the disease. That came six years later when it was named by Sean Martin Char- Charcot. And James. In, 18, in 1893, James Martin Charcot became the founder of Modern Neurology, and thanks to Neurology, we now have special facts about Parkinson's that will helpfully prevent others from coming down with the disease, facts such as eating fruit bats on guam can lead to Parkinson's because bats feed on psychic seeds, which contain potent neurotoxin. Seeds, too, are also guilty of the Mumbai, in Mumbai, where the policy burned upstairs and the ritual to rid their kids of the evil eye. The poisoning effects of the smoke may save the kids from the evil eye and the parents from the big optometrist bill, but it is also is guilty of providing the positive community to have almost the world's highest prevalence of Parkinson's disease. Japan is the only country where there are more women with PD than men. You are less likely to get Parkinson's if you drink copious amounts of coffee, smoke, and have a high cholesterol. High cholesterol level. If you're a redhead, you have almost twice the risk of developing Parkinson's disease. Bulgarian gypsies are almost immune to the disease. However, the study doesn't account for the fact that most Bulgarian gypsies never live long enough to get Parkinson's. So unless you are a non-smoking, non-coffee-drinking, older redheaded Bulgarian gypsy woman eating fruit bats while burning up seeds in Japan, chances are you won't come down with Parkinson's. Obviously, these are precautions I never took, along with some other pe- famous people I'm having for dinner with tonight. Muhammad Ali, Michael J. Fox, and Janet Reno. Ozzy Osbourne is not invited. I hope there are some things we can talk about. Maybe we can even keep the wine stains off the tablecloth. So that, that, was, that was my last little uh, reflection on Parkinson's. When I, I, I love your writing. It's just spectacular. Well, thank you. It shouldn't be read by the author, though. <laughs> oh, I disagree. It's, it's
0: truly spectacular. It is uh, it, it is a genius of creativity. And... Uh, I am every every paragraph, every point, every argument, every uh, joke is uh, is absolutely delightful. I, I I just love everything you write. So your book is coming out in uh, this fall.
1: Correct. And it'll be like I say, it's a you won't have to scroll down in it. it be very <laughs> well.
0: Are you going to have downloads for people, or is it just going to be a print book? Like oh you know.
1: Yeah, I I, I don't know. That's a good question. I've never.
0: <laughs> you have a bias against Kindle, so it may not be a download. But I'm sure there are some people who have Kindles, and they'd love to be able to read it on their Kindle.
1: It's going to have a lot of pictures I've taken over the years. Um, when, I, when I travel, I've always. Kids are always jumping in front of you, want their picture taken, so I always have them jump for me. So I have a collection of. And that's just led to people just jumping. So um, a lot of. Just silly pictures and, and pictures of statues juxtaposed against each other. Um, you'll, and, and I used A long time ago, I used to write poetry. And these were some of my. One day it just stopped. I think it stopped when I got the Parkinson's. But I'd, I'd just read a couple poems to you because they're so easy to. Um, this one's called Untitled. Blinded with emotion, she went down to the ocean, to where the cliffs are extremely steep, and there she wept and finally leapt at a place called Lover's Leap. But while doing her pouting, the tide took their outing, and now the tour guides do show, where lost love and gravity made a large cavity far, far on the beach below. These are just going to be sprinkled in between the articles, just as fillers. Uh, this one's called F- Flea, Fly, Slow Flung. To Ben MacDuff, poor Mary would cling when Ben MacDuff did his highland fling, but so fast did he fling that she came unclung, and, and over this highland she was flung. I don't know, I just had a lot of fun with words. I'd drive down the freeway, try to stay awake, just uh, take an idea and turn it over and over. This one's called Burning Love. He was a narcissist with a touch of with the touch of an arsonist. But he got burned by his own desire, for he was cremated for the love he cre- created, setting his heart on fire. Um, lingering Lingcod. Grasped in a fishmonger's fingers, the lingering Lingcod now lingers, knowing that in the fingers of the fishmonger, a lingard will linger no longer. So anyway, you get, you get the idea.
0: Oh, that's... Those are wonderful little, little poem quips. Have you written your whole life? Um,
1: no, I was about. Um, I didn't write when I was the first two years of my life. I I used to procrastinate a lot. In fact, I I procrastinated. I procrastinated so much I didn't get my first birthmark till I was like two years
0: old. <laughs> But you finally launched it in after about three years. It sounds like
1: <laughs> I had a I had a teacher. I went to Evergreen College, and I had a teacher that uh, just kept reading my stuff. And I told her to stop it, and she said, "Well, I'm um, just been using this as a good example, not a bad example." And she always encouraged me. I still, this is 35 years later, I still am in touch with her. And I, I think she still likes my writing, I'm not sure. I, I haven't asked her recently. I would be quite sure she does indeed. Do you have any uh uh comments or advice you'd like to give to an individual listening to this show who has just been diagnosed with the symptoms of Parkinson's? Just keep on just just day to day living. It's it's um it's not the end of the world. And it 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 gets frustrating times trying to do things, but you just uh, you have to readjust your bar and and just accept accept it and be glad be glad you're alive. Um, It's just keep on doing what you're doing or what you want to do, like to do, and uh, just try not to think about it. Just don't think about it. I think you, there's a point where you, you overcome that. You just you become accepting of of the disease that it's it's it's, it's it becomes your normal and just be thankful it's not something worse. Um, that's that's all I can that's all I can say. It's, it's still a still a wonderful
0: world out there. It is indeed. Well we all look forward to being able to read the full version of your forthcoming book with and I hope many of you listening to this will hop a plane uh and be at the uh Salt Lake auction on September twenty fourth in Baker City, Oregon to be able to put your bid in. As I understand it, you can also make bids over the phone. So You can call in and also make your contributions to benefit Parkinson's research. Witness, thank you so much for being a guest with us on this show today. Thank you, Robert. I apologize for the,
1: the reading, but um, that's the, the, anyway, that's, that's what you get. What you Thank did you. Is,
0: is spectacular in my book, Witt. Thanks so much. You're a you're a person who we'd all like to emulate in terms of your creativity. And uh there are not many people in the world that can say that they are the founders of the Salt Lake company. <laughs> <laughs> well thanks Robert for all your
1: efforts. What are you are doing out there for
0: the disease? Oh, no, that's a privilege and an honor. Thanks so much, Witt. Okay. I'm Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. Be sure to be on the lookout for Wit Debsner's book, which is coming out this fall, that will be entitled Departures, No Swearing. The segments that he read on the show today will be in their full form in the future editions of the Parkinson's Recovery Magazine. So look for one of the segments to appear in published form in the fall, and then the second and third in the winter and the spring. It is amazing work to read. It's full of humor, twist, funny. It's provocative. It's motivating. It's remarkable work, and he's a remarkable writer. So be sure to be on the lookout for those segments. You can grab and claim your summer uh, edition of the Parkinson's Recovery magazine by going to the main website, parkinsonsrecovery.com. That's Parkinson's without an apostrophe, recovery.com and if you look at the top you'll see a menu item that says resources simply click on that and you'll be brought to a page that has a bunch of icons the second icon on the left column down says magazines click on that and you'll see a download link to the summer edition of the parkinson's recovery magazine featured articles there are by bianca mole who was a guest on my radio show several months ago daniel loney who appeared last year and was also a featured guest at the parkinson's recovery cruise last year Professional dancer Pamela Quinn has an amazing article in the edition. Kevin Lockhart, physical therapist, also has a very instructive article about fall prevention. And Barbara Feinberg has a truly motivating and inspirational article where she discusses her brother's Parkinson's disease. So grab your article. It's free. It's motivational. It's engaging. It's quite amazing. The Parkinson's Recovery magazine for the summer edition of 2011 is out and has been published. And that's what's happening on the Shores of, you guessed it, the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact that you've been listening to this radio show, that you are on the road to recovery. May you have a magnificent week. Good day. plus.